Welcome to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Dr. Rutland is a world-renowned leadership expert. He is a New York Times best-selling author, and he has served as the president of two universities. The Leader's Notebook is brought to you by Global Servants. For more information about Global Servants, please visit our website, globalservants.org. Here is your host, Dr. Mark Rutland. Throughout my life, all these decades of living, learning, and leading, I've been fascinated with the life and leadership of King David. Hello, this is Mark Rutland. Welcome to The Leader's Notebook. I'm glad you've joined for this series, which I'm beginning today on the life and leadership of King David. I uh, wrote a book called David the Great. It's been a tremendous seller for us. And I'm not going to lecture from the book, but I'm going to reference it occasionally. And at the end of this uh, podcast, I have a very important announcement for you. I want to just talk to you about who David was as we begin this series. I was being interviewed one time on a radio interview about the book, and the the interviewer had a frame of reference. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen this, but the interviewer had something he wanted me to say. He had already decided where the interview should go, so he kept trying to to corral me into a certain direction, and that was this. He wanted me to say that David was just like everybody else, an ordinary, average man who just yielded to an extraordinary God. That is a valid point for all of us. I understand that. The problem with that was David was not an average, ordinary man. David was a consummate genius. And I believe that no matter what generation, age, epoch of human history David had been placed in, he would have been one of those great leaders. There are are people throughout history that are just extraordinary people, great minds, great spirits, great talents. Uh, Sometimes their greatness takes them to terrible things. Sometimes their greatness takes them to wonderful things. But they would be huge, probably, in in whatever generation they were born into. And to my way of thinking, David is certainly one of those. Let's think about the age in which he was born. First of all, David was born 3,000 years ago. I want you to think what that means. Three millennia ago. He was born 1,000 years before Christ. So when we think back across 2,000 years of history— the, the first um, stories of Jesus, that seems just like ancient, ancient history to us 2,000 years ago. Then, then you think a 1,000 years before that. Well, think what was going on in the world a 1,000 years before Christ. That was the transition between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age. We're, we're talking about really ancient history. So David was born on the cusp between the Bronze Age and the Iron Age in a small village in the tribal region of Judah in what was to become the broader nation of Israel. He was born into a farming family. Uh, His father, Jesse, and his seven older sons may have been prosperous farmers, successful farmers, but Still, farmers, a farming culture, an agrarian culture, 
and his father was a, a farmer, um, probably a multiplicity of things. That area is very well known for barley, so probably Jesse grew barley fields and sheep. It was one of those multi-ranging farms, and David was the youngest of eight sons. The other seven were all virtually grown when David was born, and and David was uh, sort of the the redheaded stepchild of the family. They thought that the other brothers all thought that he was a an odd little boy to say the least, and and maybe a pathological liar. David lived from his earliest childhood. There was a supernatural edge onto David's life. He was a tremendous talent. David won the Israeli version of The Voice. They had this little kid. There's no record. We don't know this. You can't prove a negative, but there's no record that anybody in his family was musically talented. And they sent David out into the sheepfold to take care of the sheep. He was not really, being such a child, he was not really capable of much use on the farm except to be a shepherd. So David's job, if you will, on the farm was to take care of the sheep. So they sent him out as a shepherd boy, and he came home playing the guitar like Johnny B. Good. They thought they had a shepherd boy, and, and they've got Chuck Berry on their hands. So he is, he's a, a musical prodigy. He's writing his own music, composing his own poetry, and he becomes so well-known for it as a young person that when his predecessor on the Israeli throne, Saul, is so demonically oppressed and possessed, perhaps, that he can't sleep at night, someone all the way away in Benjamin, in Gibeah, the capital that Saul has, knows about David's talent and ability, and they send all the way to Bethlehem to fetch this boy to sing the king to sleep at night because already his voice and talent and musical ability are are so well-known. So he's a musician. He is also a poet. David wrote the 23rd Psalm. Among all of the Psalms that he wrote, he wrote the 23rd Psalm. I want you to think about this. 3,000 years after David wrote the 23rd Psalm. It is still one of the most quoted and beloved pieces of Scripture in two of the world's major religions. There are people that don't believe in God, don't read the Bible, but they can quote or at least reference elements of Psalm 23. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. There are people who reference the valley of the shadow of death. They have no idea that it came from the 23rd Psalm and wouldn't be able to tell you that King David wrote it. Yet, as a musician, as a sensitive poet, and as a lover of God and follower of God, he is also a man of great violence. Um, He is a a warrior prince, um, a chieftain, if you will, a tribal chieftain, a warrior who is born into a a violent age. Remember, at at the time of the end of the Bronze Age and the Iron Age, Uh, raiding other people groups, raiding into other towns, conquering towns, and stealing what they had was considered an ethical means of increasing your revenue. So the kings and princes and chieftains were expected to be successful warriors, which David was. I, I began one time to try to research 
I don't know what got me started with it, but I was going to try to research how many people David had personally killed or were killed by his extended agencies, his armies and soldiers. I got into the tens of thousands and I just dropped it. So David was a a man of war. So you have a poet, a musician, a warrior. He was also a consummate politician and he was a businessman. He he understood the administration of a government. He founded, really, I mean, Saul was the the predecessor. He was the first king of Israel, and Saul did coalesce the tribes to a certain extent. But truly, David is the father of Israel, and he is certainly the founder of the city of Jerusalem 3,000 years ago. So David is this wildly talented, capable anointed human being at a time when people like that were not known. He was, a, he was a huge mind, spirit, and leader in his own age. He was a leader of men. He was adored by women and admired by men. On the other hand, David was also a complicated man emotionally. As we go through this series, I'm going to be doing this series on David for about nine more weeks, and we're going to see that David, successful in so many areas, was not particularly successful as a family man. He, had, he was a polygamist on a huge scale, and certainly not at the scale of his son Solomon, but David had multiple wives and concubines, and he was not particularly good father. His, he had many problems with his children, particularly with his sons. Uh, so David is a, is a complicated, complex man, a man of tremendous spiritual insight, long, way ahead of his time, and yet also a man capable of tremendous sin. He committed adultery. He committed murder, conspiracy to do murder. And David's most destructive sin cost the lives of 70,000 of his own people. So when we begin to say we're going to study David for the next 10 weeks, I just want to say to you, what we're going to do is skate over the surface. I hope that this series will be useful to you and and that you'll see some interesting and engaging aspects to this man and how relevant some of the lessons from David's life are to our own. This is an amazing man who from 3,000 years ago is still relevant and speaks directly to life and leadership in the 21st century. Well, let me uh, make a very important announcement to you. I, I want you to have this book, David the Great. It has been a tremendously successful book. I'm so happy about it. One of the reasons is because all book publishers, and particularly Christian book publishers, know that who buys and reads books are women, and who buys and reads Christian books are especially women. But this book hit with men. And when you can find a book that men will buy and read, women will buy and read it, and then they give it to their men. So I want you to have it, and I want you to have it for the, for the men in your life, your friends, your, your relatives, So here's what we're going to do. David the Great is going to be available for 40% off. In addition to that, anything that you buy along with that, if you put David the Great in your cart, everything else 
in that entire purchase will also be 40% off. This is valid beginning right now through December the 15th. Free shipping. I, I want you to have this and I want you to be able to do all your Christmas shopping online. Just go to drmarkrutland.com and click on the store and then enter the promo code notebook or the leader's notebook. Enter the promo code notebook 2020. Put David the Great in your cart, load up the cart with everything else that you want, and it'll be 40% off your entire purchase, including free shipping. Now, let me, uh, let me close today's leader's notebook with this thought. When David was a small boy, Samuel the prophet shows up at Bethlehem. God has rejected Saul. And he sends Samuel the prophet to Bethlehem, to Jesse's house. And Samuel anoints David as the next king of Israel. And for years, nothing comes of that. For years. One of the first great lessons out of the life and leadership of King David is this. From the very first moment that God may speak to you about something— don't try to push God's will to be accomplished. Don't try to, to paint God into a corner. It's not possible. Don't try to force God's hands. Wait, I say, wait on the Lord. Through the vicissitudes of life, through the ups and downs, waiting for God to bring you into that position which he has revealed to you. Promotion comes from the Lord. David knew this, David learned this, and among all of the things that David did, both good and not so good, one of his great, great accomplishments was his willingness and ability to wait on God. From a small boy in a remote village of Bethlehem, for years, David knew that he had been selected by God to be the king of Israel, but he waited and waited and waited. He never forced the issue so that when God finally brought him to the throne of Israel, it was God's doing and not David's. Has God given you a vision? Has God given you a dream for your life? Of course, you have to be diligent and faithful and do what you can do. But wait, I say, let God bring it to pass in his own way, in his own timing, and then give him the glory for it. Well, that's it for today. I hope that you've enjoyed this episode of The Leader's Notebook. I hope that you'll subscribe. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode of The Leader's Notebook. Until next time, God bless you. This is Mark Rutland. You've been listening to The Leader's Notebook with Dr. Mark Rutland. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review today's podcast. You can follow Dr. Rutland on Twitter at Dr. Mark Rutland or visit his website, drmarkrutland.com. Join us next week for another episode of The Leader's Notebook.